I will give you the floor, maybe introduce yourself, maybe how long you've been doing this and what inspired you to even like enter this path. Mm -hmm. So um, I am a uh, life certified life and relationship coach. I've been coaching for seven years now, but I only got into the dating and relationship coaching about two years. Um, my main focus when I started coaching was about mindset and helping people heal. And um, I just really gravitated towards dating and relationships to seeing how, you know, people, um, a lot of people, you know, they, they, there is a challenge, right? When it comes to dating and relationships, I have my personal experiences with that. And, you know, you talk to your girlfriends, you talk to your friends, you see it everywhere, right? And I was like, okay, let me, you know, really research that a bit more and understand and see what I can do to help. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I love anything to do with psychology, neuroscience, um, different healing modalities and you know trauma because we all have trauma of some sort right yep. we're all dealing with something we're all healing from something so um i really just wanted to hone in on relationships because relationships make a huge part of our, our lives and has a um, huge impact on our lives right so i feel like if i can really help people um whether it's you know get into and find love or or resolve issues and better their current relationships, then why not? So as I was doing research, I, I came across attachment theory and I was like, hmm, what is it, right? Because I didn't, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of it prior to this, but it was something new to me. And um, when I started learning more about attachment theory, I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. And it made a lot of sense. Um, so explain what attachment theory is, because I'm sure, you know, there are probably a lot of people wondering what that is. Um, to put it simply, it's basically from a young age, we learn how to receive love and give love. And it may, it comes from our caregiver. So most of us, our caregivers are our parents, right? So we learn from our parents how to receive love, how to give love. So right. that's just a simple definition of what attachment theory is. Now, how does it affect us, right? That's a question that a lot of people probably wondering, like, how does attachment styles and attachment theory um, influence our day-to-day -day as adults. And the way that it works is from a young age, from like the time you're born until about seven years old, our brains are like a sponge. So we're absorbing everything. So think of it like a computer where it's like a program and you're being programmed to, you know, act a certain way, think a certain way, behave a certain way, perceive the world a certain way. So from the time we're born until about seven years old, it's like, our, our brains are just absorbing everything, right? We're not yet able to really um, question things or be logical about things or, you know, uh, know right from wrong. We're learning. So right, our parents, right. our caregivers, uh, our teachers, siblings, aunts, uncles, the people that are in our lives are the ones that are teaching us. And so we don't question it. We're just like, okay, you know, we're just going to absorb this. And, and then that becomes our belief system and the way that we perceive things and the way that we behave, the way that we react to things, how we uh, process our emotions, whether, you know, regulating, knowing how to regulate or not knowing how to regulate our emotions, right, which a lot right. of people struggle with. Um, and so we take that with us, right, throughout life. We've been programmed and then we keep adding to our programming through our experiences and all of that throughout life. But then as adults, when we come into relationships, we don't 
take any of that into consideration, we just jump into relationships, you know, and then you know, problems arise and we react, right? We react based on our programming. Now, the programming, how it works, you know, and I'm talking about our brain when I say programming, mm-hmm. is we have our subconscious mind and we have our conscious mind. So our conscious mind only makes up about like 5% of our day-to-day. So we're really only conscious, like maybe 5% throughout the day, which means that our subconscious is the one that is, you know, driving our behavior, driving our thoughts, you know, when problems come up or challenges arise, the way that we respond is because of that is interesting. Yeah. I mean, so I knew a little bit about attachment styles. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember there was that book. I don't remember what it was called. Ooh, I'll have to like look it up. There's like a popular book about attachment styles. So one of the popular ones is it's called Attached. Um, that could but be there it. are different ones. But Attached is a very popular book that's going around. A lot of people are aware of um, now, but uh, maybe that's maybe that it might be it might be that one yeah i can't remember yeah yeah i remember hearing about it i never read it but i was like okay and then i remember so you know something that you hear a lot especially as women Mm -hmm. um it's especially women if you were born into a household or maybe you didn't have a father figure you always hear about like Mm -hmm. daddy issues or she didn't have a father figure like you know and even more common i'm starting to hear mommy issues like you know Mm um and some of those phrases are a little harmful because it's like, you know, if that person wasn't in your life, that's not necessarily your fault that you, you know, have mm-hmm. these these Absolutely. issues. But yeah. it is, there is something to be said to your point about like that absence of parents or certain caregivers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm curious, do you happen to see people who maybe didn't have a father or a mother or whatever it may be? Do you see certain styles like similar in yes them? No. So Something I don't like doing is labeling myself right. or people because when we start labeling ourselves, even when it comes to attachment styles, right? I try not to because then it becomes your identity. You're like, oh, you know, I didn't have a father, so I have daddy issues. Right. And then you carry that with you in everything that you do, and that becomes a deep rooted belief. Yep. Which is negative, right? It and then is. you make that your identity, even if there might not be a lot of truth to it. Yes, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't have a father figure growing up, but then you also see people that get into healthy relationships despite that. So, you know, it, it's a tricky, uh, you know, subject to, to to move through, but to your question, it's it's subjective, right? Okay. Because there's, it's just, it's, everyone's different. We yep. have our own experiences, even if two people have like a similar upbringing, our experiences are always going to be different. So right. our reality is going to be based, if, if we, we view life and everything through the lens of our reality, through our lived experiences, right? Right. So you can have one person who, you know, didn't have a father figure or both people didn't have father figures. And then you look at them and, you know, there's two different people. There have been a lot of um, uh, research and experiments done on, on twins. Mm-hmm. Um that I forget what the, what the study was called, but basically where they, you know, studied twins that grew up in households and twins that were separated at birth. And, oh, wow. you know, they, they studied them over years to see. And so even the ones that grew up in the same household, twins, right, you would think, okay, you know, there was a lot of differences between them. Mm-hmm. So that just goes to show that, okay, you can grow up in the same household, have the same parents, caregivers, have the same sort of 
um, programming put into you, but still grow up differently because of the experiences that you you experience through life, right? Yeah. So this is why, like, I don't like to label because there's there's just so many factors that go into why we do what we do. Yeah. And the way that we respond to things. So instead of looking at like, okay, you know, I grew up without parents or I was adopted or I didn't have a mother or I wasn't loved. I wasn't this because that, that lands you in sort of like that victim mindset, mm-hmm. which I don't like, right? We want to avoid playing that victim card going, oh, okay. We, I rather, I want you know, everyone to kind of look at, okay, why are you the way you are? Mm-hmm. And then what can you do to change that instead of, deeply identifying yourself with those things and labeling yourself because then we fall into that victim mindset and then we just become more and more negative right we're like oh it's, you know life is unfair and you know yada 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 we don't right. want that we just want to look at things objectively and then ask ourselves okay what do i need to do to become you know more secure or more this so getting into the attachment styles right so i <laughs> I want you to kind of talk through each one and I want to hear like kind of, you know, the synopsis of each one. I did take the quiz last night okay. to be like, what's my style? You want to share? <laughs> I do. So, okay. A little background. I took it yeah. a couple of years ago um, mm-hmm. with one of my friends who she, she dates a lot. We were sitting in her car and we took the quiz and mm-hmm. I think she was really confident that her results were going to be secure. And I believe hers mm-hmm. came out to like anxious and she was like mm-hmm. so upset. And so mm-hmm. then I took it and she's like, oh, I'm sure yours is, um, I think avoidant. She was like, I know mm-hmm. yours is avoidant because okay. I can yeah. be avoidant. I, I'm very independent. I can be very like hyper independent. Like I don't need you. Yeah. Like I can, I can get there. But mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think that's it. So I took it mm-hmm. and it was secure. And she was mm-hmm. like, what? And I'm like, I guess so. So I took it last night. I like was, and I'm in a different space now. And I was like, I feel like I have more anxiety than I did then. Like there's certain things that are different than that first time I took it. And so I took it last night and it was secure. And I was like, oh. (laughs) So two things that I want to sort of add to that. Um, One your attachment style is not a diagnosis, meaning like what you just said, you know, I took it a while and I thought it was going to change and that's normal, right? Like it can change. But the thing is we are all four because there's three insecure attachment styles and then the secure one, right? Mm -hmm. We're all four of them. So Mm -hmm. it's just on a, based on a spectrum. So it doesn't mean you're all anxious and you're not secure. Right. right? The second thing I want to add is that you can show up differently in different types of relationships. Mm. So intimate relationships, you show up one way. Friendships, you show up a different way. Family, you show up a different way. True. Coworkers, different. So that's something to keep in mind because like you can go based on like, you know, this is how I how I am with like family and friends and coworkers and totally chill. I think I'm so secure. And then you get into <laughs> an intimate relationship and you're like, WTF, like why am I so anxious? Right. True. That's so, so true. That is something to keep in mind because it 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 varies, right? Depending on the type of relationship, and also it's not a diagnosis, right? So your friend who's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm anxious," and she's you know starting to get more anxious about that fact. Like it it just I use it as a tool to bring awareness, mm-hmm. right? As sort of like a starting point, because even in these quizzes, like they're when you're self doing these self-reported quizzes are not always accurate because right. we always 
you know, we're not 100% honest. Right. <laughs> and we have our own biases and we look at things differently. So it just, I use it as just kind of a guideline and mm-hmm. a starting point based on, okay, let's, let's see, right? And then as I'm working with my clients, because I know what to look for, I can kind of, you know, and they can do the quiz and be like, oh, I'm avoidant. And then throughout my coaching sessions and throughout what they tell me, it's like, oh, you're actually, you know, secure or you're actually anxious or you're full avoidant, right? Right. So there's a lot that goes into. So I say this to say, like, if anybody's doing these quizzes, <laughs> don't freak out. It's, right. It's just take it as awareness and a starting point for where you can get started, right? If you're looking to, you know, heal on your own, and there's a lot of resources out there. Or if you're looking to work with somebody, just use it as sort of like a guiding point and then go from there, right? But that's why I say it. I don't like labels because your friend, she took it and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm anxious. And now she's right. labeling herself. Right. And that, that does more harm than good sometimes. Right. Um, if you're and, not as aware. And I'm not the helpful <laughs> friend because I'm like, yeah, girl, you are anxious. <laughs> And that's okay, because like me personally, I went from, I think, secure to anxious to fearful avoidant to secure. But I still have, again, because we're never going to be fully healed. There's always going to be things that trigger us, new things that come up. So sometimes I still have that, you know, anxious, those anxious tendencies, but I'm a lot more secure, right? So we're never going to be 100% secure that's that's not the goal the goal is to understand ourselves and then understand what we need to do to help ourselves through it yep 100 percent. that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah um i will say more so than the result of the quiz i think the Mm -hmm. questions on the quiz was a bit more like piqued my interest i was like huh Mm -hmm. i never really Mm -hmm. thought about and and now that you you reminded me so the first quiz i took with my friend was a bit more it had like percentages of like where we Mm -hmm. were like you're 20 percent avoidant whatever the one i took last night was just like you're this um Mm. but the one i took last i do remember it like kind of had that like spider web map of like where you yeah Yeah. where you land but I, in that one was a longer quiz, but I do remember, um, the questions I was like, huh, it's like, they ask about relationship with the family or like, do you mm-hmm. fear that this person will leave you? Or do you fear mm-hmm. that you can't open up to this person? Or like, how do you feel? Right. Do you feel safe with these, this person, your mother, father, yeah. or whatever? And I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it gets you thinking. And that's, that's the whole point. Like we want you to self-reflect and to question your beliefs, question the stories. And that's how the healing starts right that's how you begin to reprogram your subconscious because the way to reprogram your subconscious is through repetition and Mm -hmm. emotion and consistency so what i mean by repetition and and emotion is like let's say something happens right and you get activated or get triggered by something you know trigger is a common uh, word (laughs) the word right so like we get activated by something and we're you know our body's responding to it and we're not really sure what to do and we're just reacting right because we feel like something is wrong we feel like we're there's a threat or we're going to get hurt or something's going to happen and we just react yep and the thing to remember is like in that moment is when you need to practice taking a deep breath right kind of you want to calm your nervous system calm you know bring yourself back down to center from being activated and then from that place you can look at it um more logically right so the thing with our brain is like when you're activated when you're triggered it's your um primitive part of your brain the amygdala the fight or flight response Mm -hmm. and so when when that part of our brain is 
in the driver's seat, we're incapable of being logical and looking at things and like assessing it because the purpose of the amygdala is to help us survive when there's actual threat, when we're actually in danger. Let's say you're on crossing the street and you see this car running a red light. You won't have time to stop and go, oh, wait, do I, am I going to get hit? Is this like, do I have time? Your body is literally just kicking into survival mode and either you, you know, fight or flight, right? You, or freeze, depending on the situation. And get hit. But that's literally <laughs> what it is, right? And we see yeah. that, you know, examples of those experiences where people do these things and then they're like, oh my gosh, like, how do I do that, right? And that's what it is. It's your amygdala. Mm. Now, in that instance, it serves a purpose. We want that. But in instances where, you know, it's relationship issues and challenges and fights and arguments, we're not in danger. But our brain, because of our experiences, we perceive things a certain way and then it becomes a threat to us, right? We feel like we're going to get hurt, we're going to get abandoned, we're going to, something bad's going to happen is what our brain is telling us. Whether that's true or not is a different thing, but our brain is telling us that there's some kind of danger. So then right. how do we react? We fight, right? Or we flee, <laughs> right? Or or we freeze where we feel like we dissociate or we go numb or we don't know what to do anymore, right? So mm. it's the same thing. It's just our brain is perceiving it as a threat. Now, how do we change that is by, again, we have to first um, learn how to relax our nervous system, get us back into our logical brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, so we can properly assess the situation and go, okay, there's no threat, we can calm down now, right? And then go, okay, breathing really helps, right, to regulate your nervous system in those moments. And then you can question the story that you were telling yourself when you got activated, right? Somebody, mm -hmm. let's say, like, you didn't hear back from somebody for a few hours, and this is where the answer to tell you're like, oh my gosh, right? Every scenario goes running through your head. But in that moment, what you can do is really start questioning the story. Okay, is the person not, you know, responding because they don't like you, they're going to abandon you, you, you know, they're they're going to do, which is what <laughs> automatically starts thinking as an anxious individual, mm -hmm. or are they caught up with something? Or does something happen where they're not able to respond right now, or their battery died or something, right? Right. Because those are also possible scenarios. But we're not really going there. So this is where you train yourself to question your story and look for evidence to support your story, right? So if, you, if your story is that the person's not responding to me, it's been like four or five hours, um, they're going to abandon me, they're going to leave me, they don't like me, they're just using me, they're just whatever. Those stories, you want to look for evidence of whether that's true. And more than likely, it's not. Yeah. And that's the hard part is to challenge your brain and convince yourself that that's not actually true yeah right and because we want to hold on to those stories because in a way it makes us feel safe because we're familiar with it and we feel safer thinking the person's going to leave rather than thinking oh no maybe they're just you know caught up with something and they're unable to get this on right so this is the tricky part is to go every time something like that happens you want to question the story look challenge yourself to look for evidence to support those stories and then more than likely, you're going to realize that it's not actually true. Or you have to start believing that that's not true. Yeah. Right. And it, it's harder for us because we don't want to believe like, oh, maybe that person's actually genuinely just busy and they're not able to get back. And it doesn't mean they're going to abandon me. It doesn't mean they don't like me. Right. And but what, when we start doing that, that's how you become more and more secure. Right. Because I don't know, like as somebody who 
you know, is more secure. Do you, do you have, do you go through similar things where, you know, if somebody doesn't respond, do you immediately go to the worst case scenario or do you kind of like. It's hit or miss. It's hit or miss. Mm -hmm. It's one or the other. And because I don't know, again, I feel like with relationships or dating, I'm also busy and like also doing my own thing. And like, I have like, if I don't text you back for hours, it doesn't Mm. mean I don't like you, but sometimes it does. Mm -hmm. So it's like, then I have that. (laughs) But, but usually if someone doesn't text me back, I'm usually like, I don't panic when I start to, I do panic though. And when I do, Mm -hmm. it's if I like that person. And I I recently Mm -hmm. had a situation where, you know, dating apps or whatever, you're texting back and forth. It's like, whatever. Mm -hmm. There was one guy we connected really well. We had a lot in common and like, we were planning to meet up and like, Mm-hmm. We were texting super like back and forth and then it just stopped like, mm-hmm. and then because I'm crazy. So I have an iPhone. He had an iPhone. It was blue, 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 blue messages. Yeah. I sent him a message. It was green. And I was mm-hmm. like, have I been blocked? Like, so then my mind is like, oh my God, he blocked me. Like, and yeah. so I sent him another text just to double check and it's green. And I'm like, oh my God, I was blocked. So then I'm literally mm-hmm. in crazy girl mode. And I just said it. I'm like, Hey, did you block me? Which like probably was crazy to even say and he was like what are you talking about and yeah. I'm like I couldn't really recover from that I'm like oh I did never mind like just delete my number we can just delete it well very common like we all do these things sometimes and the thing the important thing for you to, to acknowledge is that, okay like this is how I respond to things like that and what can you do like we're always the thing is you want to heal from those things if you feel like okay like you know I want to handle these things differently how can I go about doing those things? And the number one thing you want to learn to do is how to self-soothe when there's uncertainty. Mm. And that is the hardest thing to do because you can self-soothe, you know, and like you, you literally just ask him, you're like, did you block me? Right? Because that's like the quickest way to kind of get your answer because there's uncertainty you want certainty that's just the way the brain is right there's uncertainty we freak out we're like oh anxious we want certainty so what are we going to do right we're going to ask somebody or but if you can learn to self-soothe when there's uncertainty and you know not hearing from somebody not getting an answer and still being okay that is literally where you want to get to because then you're in your power Mm. then you learn to stay in your power and learn how to self-regulate how to self-soothe despite all the chaos that's going on around you that's going to take some practice definitely definitely because even with me when i you know despite knowing what i know you know consciously all aware of like don't do this right (laughs) don't be a crazy girl but we still do it in the moment because it's we're in our subconscious versus our conscious when we feel threatened we're in our subconscious Mm-hmm. when everything's good we're like okay right but the minute we feel some kind of threat or our brain feels like there's some kind of threat it goes into fight or flight or freeze and we're no longer using our conscious brain which is the one that you know the reasoning the logical make assessing things but that's where with practice and consistency you have to do it over and over and over again you're gonna you're gonna mess up yeah. a lot well and but that's the thing the more you retrain yourself to respond differently then it becomes your new programming okay so the next time he doesn't text you back right away 
Mm-hmm. Even if it's so, I feel like within reason, I try to be a person within reason again, because I'm also busy and it's like, I'm not by my phone all day, mm-hmm. but I feel like we all have that window where we're all like, yeah, he's at work like a couple hours, but then we all have that like hour after that we're all psycho and we're like, okay, it's been yeah. six hours. Like what, you know, so do we just start practicing like, Hey, it's been four hours, whatever. Okay. Then that sixth hour hits you. You still have to be like, whatever, you know, he'll text me back. I don't know. There's, there's obviously like learning how to communicate and that's like another subject that I cover is learning because I feel like in our generation, we just don't know how to communicate. We nope. ghost, we like go in mm-hmm. money. We don't know how to communicate when something gets bad. We just ignore a block, whatever, move on to the next person. And we don't actually deal with if you're sit down and be vulnerable. And so that is something like if you want like a genuine, healthy relationship, which a lot of us want, then you have to do the things that you don't want to do which is sit down and be vulnerable. But it starts with understanding yourself and going, okay, you know, when I don't hear from you for, let's say five, six hours, I start to get worried. And it takes a lot to be that vulnerable with somebody because you're like, oh my gosh, they're going to think yada, yada, yada. But if this is your person, then they're going to understand. And if you can't communicate with somebody, then that's not the person that you should be entertaining anyway, right? So learning how to communicate. But then a part of it is, self do but then also communicate with the person what your expectations are right and it's like you know I, I would love to hear from you or like if you know you're going to be away from your phone just let me know so like you know mm-hmm. so that you can do what you need to do focus on yourself focus on your life so it's kind of like you have to find that balance of like learning how to self soothe when you don't hear but also communicating with somebody so that they're aware and helping you heal because part of the healing happens in relationships right it's not right. like you're going to be 100 percent healed and then the minute you get into a relationship, everything's going to be perfect because you don't, you don't know how you're going to, you know, what the dynamic is going to be with that person. And so part of the healing happens with the other individual, but the other person has to be equally as self-aware and emotionally intelligent and being mm. able to communicate, Yep. right? So finding somebody who's also, you know, working on themselves is helpful because then you can kind of help each other. Yeah, And the other person knows themselves and why they do certain things and they can tell you, hey, like, and, and the dynamic that, that shows up a lot is we see a lot of anxious people with avoidance. Oh. So, and, and it makes sense why, because mm-hmm. like imagine two anxious people together <laughs> or two avoidant people together. It is, it, it's very rare that that happens. So right. the dynamic that's very common to see is an avoidant with an anxious or avoidant with a secure or an anxious with a secure. Mm. So I already mentioned the three insecure ones. So we have the anxious, we have the avoidant, and then we have the fearful, also known as like the disorganized. Mm. So they, sorry, the fearful avoidant. Basically what that is, is it's a mix between the anxious and the avoidant. So someone kind of has like similar traits of both. Okay. Um, so the anxious, how does that come about from childhood, right? It's basically, you know, they dealt with like a lot of like inconsistencies from their parents, caregivers. So there was always that feeling threatened, like, okay, they're going to abandon me or they're, you know, their needs weren't met. Um, so they're always like scared, right? Mm-hmm. That they're going to, that they're not loved enough, that they're not good enough, that they're not enough, right? And so you're constantly looking for reassurance that they're not going to leave you, that you're worthy, that you're lovable, that you're this, that's right. And so you're, you're just always anxious. 
the avoidant kind of the opposite because their caregivers were just unresponsive, right? So they're, they're like unresponsive, like more consistently. So they had to learn quickly to just depend on themselves. And so if you look at, if you know in the avoidance, if you look at people that are avoidant, they're very highly independent people. Mm-hmm. And when they get into relationships, they carry that thought pattern into relationships where like, I don't need anything from you. But they also have that expectation that you shouldn't need anything from me. That's me. So maybe there's that mm-hmm. you're secure, but you, you're leaning avoidant, right? Where you're just yeah. like, okay, you take care of you. And then when the other person comes to you with all these expectations, it's kind of like, you don't want it. You pull away mm-hmm. because it's too much for you, right? And so, you know, when it comes to avoidant, they need to learn to like that, you know, there's certain things that your partner needs from you Yep. that they need to learn to be able to give, right? And it doesn't mean that. So like when it comes, again, when it comes to needs, when it comes to expectations, we need to assess our needs and expectations and make sure that they're realistic. Yeah. Right? Not, I expect you to like call me every hour. Let me, right? That's not very realistic. Right? right. But just, and again, you have to kind of like delve into what are your needs? What do you need to feel safe in a relationship, to feel loved, to feel seen, to feel heard? Because mm-hmm. we're all looking for that, right? That's what we right. want. Right. But then understanding, like it, it all comes down to like finding that balance, right? But like that's where you need to communicate with each other. But if you don't know yourself, if you don't know what your needs are, if you don't know what your expectations are, if you don't understand yourself, then it makes it a lot harder to get into healthy relationships because you're gonna you're gonna choose based on your core wounds. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's true. You it's, do have to know kind of like who it's like very cliche. Like you got to know who you are, but it's like, you do have to know who you are, or at least know absolutely. what you want or don't want or like, or don't like, because you mm-hmm. can't really, yeah. It's kind of hard to stand on that when you're with someone, if you don't even know what it is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so with the fearful avoidant, they kind of had a little bit of a mix of both where it was like consistency. Maybe there was like abuse or trauma. So in, in relationships, the pattern that you'll see with them is like hot and cold. So they'll like anxious people, they're like really involved in relationships, showing you love. But the second something activates them or triggers them, they just pull away and they become more avoidant. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what the disorganized style is about. It's like sort of like hot and cold behavior. We're just like not sure what's going on. Um, because whereas anxious people, it's more towards one spectrum and avoidance are more towards the other. The disorganized or the fearful avoidance kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, but let's talk about like how do you become more secure right because i kind of already mentioned that but the thing is okay the way to become secure and like what i go through in my coaching with my clients is like six areas that i focus on and so it starts with understanding what your belief patterns are like you know the stories that you create understanding what your core wounds are right like what activates you what triggers you like what are the what are the things that you tell yourself right i'm going to be abandoned i'm not lovable i'm not worthy and i'm all those things. Those are your core wounds. Right? That's where you respond from. And then understanding what your relationship needs and expectations are. And then understanding your emotional pattern, right? What happens when you get activated? How do you, how do you react to things? How do you respond to things? Right. Um, boundaries. What are your boundaries? Do you have boundaries? How do you set boundaries? What are healthy boundaries? Right. Right. 
patterns of communication, how to communicate what your needs are, what your expectations are, how you're feeling when somebody does something, right? Just learning how to communicate. We don't, we're not taught that. We don't know how to communicate. We will communicate when we're angry and we're like, oh, I hate it when you do this and this. But how about learning how to communicate from a place of like, when you're not activated, yep. like letting a person know from the get go, because a lot of times we get into relationships and we're too afraid to go, this is what I need from you. And this is what I expect. And this, this, and that. A secure person has no problem with that because they're like, if the person can't deliver what I'm looking for, that they're not the person, they'll move on. Right. An anxious person will be like, oh, you like me? Okay, you're my person now. <laughs> right? <laughs> we don't care if, you know, they're what we're looking for. As long as somebody likes us or is giving us attention, we tend to cling. We just choose that person and cling to it. Okay. Right? Because as an anxious person, our core wounds are, I'm not enough. I'm not lovable. No one's going to, you know? Right. So, like, anybody giving them attention, they'll be like, oh, they like me. I'm enough. They love me. And then they, it's almost like they're waiting to be chosen and then they just take whatever they're getting. Yep. Mm -mm. Right. And we see that a lot. We see that a lot. And then, so the other thing that I also help is through learning how to, what your coping mechanisms are and what coping mechanisms and behaviors and understanding that. Right. So to become secure, you kind of have to go through all of those things and understanding. So that's why I say you have to actually know yourself. You have yeah. to know the story you tell yourself when this happens. You have to know what your needs are, what your expectations are. And something I want to add that's very important to to remember is that, yes, you have relationship needs and expectations, but you have to first and foremost learn how to meet those needs yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you can't, because it's, it's kind of like, I like to use the theory of like, you know, the, the cup, your cup has to be, you had to fill your cup kind of thing. You know, we talk about self-care and filling your cup. When it comes to need, if your cup is empty and you go to your partner and you're like, fill this cup with this need, that's a lot to ask from the other person, especially not knowing the capacity that they're in, right? right. So identifying what your needs are and then going, okay, where am I at? What can I do to fill those needs first? And then seeing, okay, am I good or do I need more? And then you can go to your partner. But a lot of us skip that step and we're like, I need this. Give me this. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or where we're, we're, it's an avoidance, they kind of are better at this because they know what their needs are because they have to learn how to take care of themselves. Mm. Right? What about fearful? What about someone like with the fearful attachment? Sorry. The fearful, it's kind of, it's, it's that's a tricky one. So that's where you have to kind of go through each one of those things, understand what your stories are, your beliefs are and work through it. So it's going to be very similar to avoidance and anxious because you're a mix of both. So that's where you, you know, you have to learn about those things and, and then identify what your needs are. Hmm. So it's going to, it's definitely going to be a mix of both, but it depends on the person, right? It depends on the experience. Well, it sounds like the key to getting a better or closer to a secure attachment style, like baseline, mm -hmm. you have to know you, you have to mm -hmm. kind of get uncomfortable, dig deep, know what you like, what you don't like, like, and, yeah. and be okay with that, you know, don't try to change mm -hmm. it or try mm -hmm. to, you know, be what they want. It's like, I like this. I don't like this. And just be secure in that, you yeah. know. Yeah. Because the thing that you have to ask is, and it's easier said than done because I know how hard it is because I you know, have to obviously heal myself and go from going from anxious to secure. So like, I know what, how, yeah. how hard that is and how tough that is, but you can do it. It's, again, it takes, you got to, you know, really make time for yourself to, to work on 
those areas and it's gonna it's gonna happen but you have to learn to be compassionate and not put yourself down or you know be kind and loving towards yourself because you're trying to undo this programming that you probably lived with for like 20 30 maybe 40 50 years right and that's not easy to do that's not easy to do but it's not impossible to become more secure um but it does take it does take work and it's just recognizing it's just becoming more self-aware um and understanding why you do what you do and it, it's as simple as that but it's it's challenging to do for sure i'm not gonna right i'm not gonna sugarcoat it i'm not gonna say oh yeah you know it does take time but it's not impossible it's not impossible you're right and it's just about taking those baby steps and i think like you said something for me working on some of those more anxious moments it's like talk yourself through it when you notice yourself mm-hmm. getting a little cuckoo be like okay mm-hmm. like take a deep breath like you know and like kind yeah. of set yourself back and be like this is not yeah. that it's not whatever story I made up in my head like just take a beat and just catch yourself in those yeah. moments is really all you can Absolutely. do and and the thing is you can ask yourself okay what is the worst case scenario let's say okay you know you learn to self-soothe when somebody's not hasn't responded in a few hours and you're like okay you know maybe it's not what i'm thinking maybe they're just busy maybe this. okay but what if on the flip side it is what i was thinking yeah you have to ask yourself okay and and then what what are you going to do right because you cannot like you can't live life trying to control things because even if you're in the happiest healthiest relationship something is going to happen and you don't you cannot you cannot you we you know we're not mind readers we don't we can't predict the future we don't know what's going to happen but we can help ourselves by preparing ourselves for moments where things do happen and it's out of our control but at least we're in our power so like you know if you know our belief that you know this person doesn't like you anymore okay cool they don't like you anymore what are you going to do yeah it sucks but are you going to try to convince them to stay right are you going to stress yourself out worrying oh my gosh do they like me do they not like me why like learning how to self-soothe and stay in that of like you know whatever happens happens i can deal with it it's a lot better than being anxious and worrying and going crazy and like doing all those things because you don't feel good about it after yeah that's so true right we don't feel yeah. good about it so learning how to self-soothe and going okay you know what i'm just going to give this the benefit of the doubt but if it turns out that this person is actually, you know, trying to ghost me or doesn't like me anymore, doing something that is our worst fear, we can deal with it. And it's, and we're better off because why would we want to be with somebody like that? But the thing is, like with anxious people, we tend to go towards, oh my gosh, like we're so stuck in that core wound of I'm not enough, I'm not lovable enough that we accept this treatment because we would rather have that attachment with this person that's unsure, that doesn't like us, that's not treating us properly, then be alone. It's true. A lot of people, you know, that fear of being mm-hmm. alone and something, mm-hmm. something that I recently realized, I didn't realize I was thinking like this, but I realized I had the thought that I, I think I used to think like love or people who are in love or married or relationships. I used to think like mm-hmm. subconsciously think like, oh, that's for a certain type of person, right? Cause like, oh, mm-hmm. all the people I see that are happy and married look like this, sir weigh this much or they're skinny or they're this or they're you know whatever whatever you know just the craziest things and then Mm -hmm. i kind of looked around one day and i was like 
there's you know supermodels that are single there's you know it's like that's not a that's it's not personal it's not a there's nothing about you specifically anyone that's unlovable or personal you know the 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 most beautiful people are single the most whatever you you know whatever standards you put out there social beauty standards whatever it's like it's it's hard relationships are hard for everybody yeah those are those are not traits that make you that qualify you for a relationship right? at all and at all tend to think that like oh if i look a certain way or if i was less this or was more that yep those are all false like you yeah. said because and and so that's what it is it's like learning to like be okay on our own mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily mean that you know you should just be alone you know right. like if you want a relationship yeah there's nothing wrong with that go for it <laughs> but don't get stuck in like okay i'm gonna just accept poor behavior or less than I deserve just because I'm afraid of being alone. I'd rather be so, alone. And that's, right? And it's not the worst thing. If you set your life up in a certain way, way where you, you know, you love what you're doing, you're making good money, you have good friendships, you're traveling, you're doing all these things, then that's just, you know, like having a good relationship just becomes like an added thing. Because if you look at it, relationships are really just about like maybe 10, 15, 20% of our lives. But a lot of us just tend to give like relationships like 80% of our focus and neglect everything else. There's something called the wheel of life and it's just basically like the different categories of our life. Mm. So like relationships, finances, spiritual, family, recreation, all of those things. And it's important to kind of have like a balance in all of those areas, right? You want to make sure that you're, you're doing the things that are important to you and not just focusing on one thing, neglecting the other. Like you don't want to focus on the relationships and like neglect your health or, you, you know, your physical or your family relationships, friendships, or the things that you enjoy doing. Right. Right. So finding a balance. So if you can do that, then being alone is not the worst thing because you're still doing, you're still being fulfilled by all the other areas in your life. And so just remembering that relationships are just, and I'm talking about intimate relationships because obviously we have like family and friendships, but intimate relationships just make up maybe like a fraction of our life or they should. Yeah. Right. We should give it so much focus. But because we give it so much focus, when it doesn't go the way we want or doesn't, we're left kind of like questioning who we are, what we're supposed to do with life next. Right. When a relationship ends, a lot of us are kind of like, oh, what's next? Because they've been putting all of their time and effort, energy into this relationship and neglecting everything else that their identity was that relationship. Mm -hmm. And now they're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what to do next. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. And it's a lot to cover <laughs> one single podcast. But um, if, if I was to give like a couple of takeaways, it just to simplify things and not overwhelm people. Just start with learning what your needs are, like learning about your core wounds, learning about your belief patterns, like the stories that you tell yourself when things happen. And then from there, you can build, you can build on like, learning the communication style, learning how to cope, right? Learning how to set boundaries. But it all starts with kind of understanding yourself, understanding what's programming you're dealing with, right? Yeah. So yeah. That, that would be the starting point. <laughs> Get to know yourself, starting point. Get to know you mm-hmm. and it will all fall into place. Yeah, eventually. But eventually. I mean, life, is meant to, life is meant to be up and down, right? Like True. we all go through it. Um, like you said you never know like somebody can you know portray like a perfect relationship on social media but you don't know what's happening behind closed doors 
So like just understanding that and being aware of that and catching yourself so you don't fall into social media, you know, leading us to believe because a lot of us get caught up in that. And then we're like, oh my gosh, I, I should have this by a certain age. I should do this and this and that, right? No, just look at your life and what you want and, mm-hmm. you know, just ignore the, the noise and ignore like what's happening on social media because a lot of it's false anyways. True. And just really get to know yourself and, and, you know, that will lead to a happy life because you're doing things for you because you actually genuinely enjoy doing those things rather than comparing this to like some other girl who's living her life a certain way and you're like, oh, I want that. When deep down, you probably don't, right? You probably don't. And you don't know what it took for her to get that or what that looks like, like you said, behind closed doors. Like you don't know what, you know, what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) get to know yourself and don't compare. That's like the best advice (laughs) ever. Best advice. I know it's it's, it's better, you know, it's it's easier said than done, but um, definitely I think this is just part of really understanding yourself and like what it is that you need and want. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you, Angela. That's all I had for you. That is so great and so helpful. Um, I'm sure all the people listening, you know, they've thought about their attachment styles or they know maybe they fall into one or maybe they don't. Maybe this is like new to you. You've never heard of an attachment style. And maybe this is Mm -hmm. like good. Like maybe you can now get to know more about yourself if you're listening. Yeah. Um, Where can the people reach you and find you? Yeah, absolutely. So these days I'm mainly on Instagram. Um, So my, my handle is the secure adult um i am on tiktok i have tiktok i haven't been as active on that but i am working on some other stuff my website is currently um under construction but that will be up and running and i have like a few resources and digital products that i'm working on to make it easier for those that want to work on their attachment style so stay tuned to that but if you want to reach out or you have questions then on instagram would be the best place to reach me Lovely. That is awesome. Well, thank you, Angela. It's been a pleasure learning about attachment styles. I'm going to work on not panicking when I don't get a text back. I'm going to start actively being like, okay, calm down. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's been uh, really nice chatting about it. Thanks for tuning into Swipe Society. Please rate us and leave us a five-star review on Spotify and anywhere else you listen to this podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like, subscribe, comment, and share. If you're not already, please give us a follow on Instagram at Swipe Society Pod and send all questions and inquiries to hello at swipesocietypod.com. Don't forget, we drop new episodes every Wednesday. Chat soon!